In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, I am so excited to bring to you our very first poetry episode. Before we get into the episode, though, I want to let you know about a quick call for submissions for an upcoming issue of the magazine. This is our long-term survivor stories issue. It's our first time doing it, and we are focusing on people who were diagnosed five years or more ago. No matter what your diagnosis was, if it happened at least five years ago, I want to hear from you. I want you to write a story about what it's like for you to live in the world now what you've learned about living from your cancer experience, what matters to you now. The call for submissions goes until December 30th. So go ahead and get those stories over to me at editor at wildfirecommunity.org. All right, on to today's episode. So as I said, today is our very first episode that includes poetry. So far, we've only had long-form essays, but the truth is, is that each issue of Wildfire Magazine tends to have at least one poet or poem. And so today we have with us a guest who has published twice with me and both times are poems. And I'm so excited to dig into the the writing of poetry because I think it is a place where a lot of people can begin who are scared to write their full stories. Also, poetry is a great place for people to dive into writing their stories who are a little bit nervous about the vulnerability of going fully into a full experience. Poetry has a way of really getting to the heart of the matter, but keeping it very comfortable in its brevity. And we'll see if my guest agrees with that. I think another great way to get into writing is lists. You guys have heard me talk about that before. And lists tend to read really well as poetry also. So you might be a poet and not even really realize that because I think a lot of people also have feelings about poetry. They think that it is hard to access, maybe even hard to read. And that's one reason I'm so excited today to have my guest because you really have to hear poetry to fully appreciate it, I think. And so having the author herself read it really helps you to access it. So my guest today is Amy Austin. Amy is an academic librarian who was diagnosed at 34 with stage four de novo breast cancer. Her breast cancer is hormone positive and HER2 positive. Amy was initially misdiagnosed with a complex benign cyst. She is the third in a direct family line to be diagnosed with breast cancer without a known genetic link. She loves cooking and baking, especially bread. 
knitting and curling up with a good book and a mug of tea. She has a knack for finding lucky pennies. Amy lives with her husband and son in Florida. Hey, Amy, welcome to The Burn. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. So as I said, you're our first poetry guest, and I have you reading two poems today. So we're going to get into them one at a time. But the two poems are called Lost and Lines. And these were both published earlier this year. Lost was published in our body issue and Lines just came out in our NBC issue, the Legacy Stories issue. So after you read, you and I will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Amy, let's get into your first poem. I'll let you take it away. Great, thanks. This is Lost. They ask if I want to see my scar. They need to check it but they ask if I want to see. They don't force it. I know I'll have to confront it. At some point, I'll pass a mirror. So I take a deep breath and I say, yeah. The padding under the binder makes it feel like I haven't lost a thing. I close my eyes and wait. Here we go. And when I open them, I think unexpectedly, The scar is beautiful. The scar means hope. Because two years, three months, and 14 days ago, but who's counting? I lost my future in an instant. And this scar gives me a glimmer of hope that I'll get to have back some of what I thought would lost. Mm, I just had full body goosebumps, Amy. Thank you so much for reading that. It was beautiful to hear it in your own cadence and um, and timing. So thank you for that. Thank you. So let's talk about it. First, I want to ask you about the decision to write a poem and if it was a conscious decision or if it just you had a story to tell and it just came out as poetry. Can you take us a little bit behind the scenes? Sure. Yeah, this poem, um, I guess I should back up. Like I was diagnosed stage four. And as soon as I got that diagnosis, um, the mastectomy that I was initially told that I would have was off the table. And it was, you know, quality of life and maintenance treatment. And um, I guess... uh, about a year and a half, a little over a year and a half in, I ended up with progression in my breast only. And so my oncologist recommended a mastectomy uh, so that I could stay on my same line of treatment. And I kind of leapt for it. (laughs) Um, I was really excited to get some of the cancer out of my body. And um, so I, I went in for the mastectomy, went in for the consult for the mastectomy. And my surgeon said, you know, you need to talk to a plastic surgeon and see if you want reconstruction. And she sent me on to a plastic surgeon who sat down and looked at me and said, do you really want reconstruction? Is that something that you really think you need? And I said, well, I don't know. That's why I'm here to talk to you about it. And after about an hour long conversation, we left it as, you know, let's just see how it goes. Let's see how the surgery goes. I can always come back and revisit her if I need it to. And she did the imaging that she needed to do to be prepared in case. And I went through the surgery. And 
truly, I mean, like I said in the poem, when they when they checked my scar and they opened my binder, I had no idea what to expect. And I just was kind of overwhelmed by the fact that it was a beautiful scar. And it it was beautiful in two ways. It was physically and visually very beautiful. It was a very talented surgeon. <laughs> she did a great job. Um, but also it was beautiful because of what it meant. It meant that I was doing something strong and in my power to get some of the cancer out of my body. And I know being stage four, I'm never going to get it all out of my body. But to be able to have that moment of I've done something like this is something I could choose to do was really empowering. And uh, while I was in the hospital recovering, I was up at like four in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And I just had these lines repeating in my head, like the star is beautiful. The star means hope. And so I picked up my phone and I tapped it all out and I closed my phone. I set it down and I went to sleep and I was able to get a good few hours of sleep before they woke me up to start the discharge process. And I really haven't changed it much. I changed the tense of it. I wrote it in past tense and I felt like it was really important to write it in present tense as I was walking through the whole process. And that was the only thing I changed about it. Ugh. Okay, you've said a lot of things that I want to address. I love all of this. So I I do want to get into the writing of it, but let me just back up into your story a little bit. And thank you so much for the backstory on having your mastectomy. So I'm not sure that everyone, uh, well, I guess I should say probably that I know that not everyone realizes that people who are diagnosed stage four de novo don't necessarily go through the same hallmarks of having a cancer diagnosis that that one would expect if they haven't either had a cancer diagnosis themselves or maybe just aren't very familiar with MBC. So they might not realize that a mastectomy isn't standard of care for a stage four de novo diagnosis. So you talking about this representation of hope with this scar, I think is really, is really big. And I'm just curious, how, I guess going into the surgery, did you realize how important it was or was it when you saw the scar that it really came home for you? So I think, I mean, I think I realized a little bit of the significance of it when I had that heart to heart with my oncologist and he was like, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can do this surgery and you can stay on your first line of treatment or we cannot do the surgery and we can try another line of treatment. And he said, you know, it's up to you Um, and the surgeon. Of course, I had to talk to the surgeon about it. But, you know, we we know how you're reacting to this medicine right now. We know that it's holding the cancer at bay and the rest of your body. We know what your side effects are and that they're manageable. So there's a really strong argument for having the surgery and being able to keep everything else the same. And so I had that kind of in my mindset going into surgery. And I, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't fearful of it, uh, which mm. I think is a big thing because surgery is scary. I was more concerned about how I would feel after and how I would look after. And so seeing the scar, I think it really did hit me. Um, after, 
after the fact that like, yes, I made this really important decision. And it, it just continues to be a really good reminder for me of what has worked well for me. I mean, it's not a decision that everybody would make. It's cancer is so individual, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's story with it is so unique, but it is something that like, I still, I see my scar and it reminds me that it has given me this, this hope to stay. I mean, I'm still on the same med. It's given me hope Mm. that these meds are going to keep lasting and keep doing what they're supposed to do. And it's opened doors and allowed me to go through aggressive treatment that I originally didn't get to go through. So yeah, I think the hope, it's, mm. it comes in waves, right? It, it was an, an initial wave right after the surgery and it, it keeps coming. Yes. Well, and there's something so interesting about this scar communicating all of that to you because I think that the more common story we hear about scars in breast cancer is the what they represent in the subtraction, you know, what is missing now. And it's so interesting to hear your story because it feels like a lot was gained in the arrival of this scar and its representation to you. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. It, it, it gave me a lot more than I really expected it to, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said, too, for people going into surgery, wanting to have some measure of control in an out-of-control situation, you know, so taking those opportunities where you can make decisions, whether you, um, you know, in your case, Amy, you decided to have a surgery or whether someone else decides against it, it's like any opportunity to just have, to play a part, you know, in our own experience, I think is powerful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really appreciate my oncology team for really involving me. I mean, there was, there was a point when I had a conversation with my oncologist about something unrelated and he was like, why are you having a trouble? uh, Why are you having trouble asking that question? We're a team. Like you get to weigh in and I need to know how you're feeling. And that's, it was really empowering for me to know that my body and my thoughts are respected and that I'm part of that team too. Hmm. Oh, I think that that's one of the most challenging aspects. Well, just one, because there's many challenging aspects, but I think that one of the most challenging parts is the ownership of the body and the feeling like it still matters what you feel about it, even though all these other people are at work on it with their own, you know, particular expertise. And to say, you have a voice in this too, and you actually have to live in this body, you know, after this day or this conversation. So how do you feel in it? I think is, I'm so glad they gave you that empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, if it's not evident enough, I love my oncologist. I love, I love my team. (laughs) They've been nothing but wonderful. So that's fantastic. So going back to the writing of this, have you also written your this particular story in prose as well? Or did did this just, you know, it kind of just arrived, it, it just leapt onto the page for you or leapt into your mind for you? And then was that was that enough? Or yeah, tell me a little more about that. I have not written this in prose. This was something that I left as a poem. I really liked the story that the poem told. And I didn't think that I needed to go deeper with this one. Um, Mm -hmm. I, and I think, you know, there's, 
for lack of a better term, there's so much trauma with cancer and there are other traumatic events and other huge events um, throughout and now the three and a half years from my diagnosis. So like throughout the three and a half years, I've had a lot of trauma and challenges and struggle. And I feel like those go into stories better, maybe because it's reflecting. Whereas this was something that I wrote really in the instant and I felt the closure from it as soon as I got it onto, well, into my note on my phone. I was going to say onto paper, but it wasn't really paper. So I love that you were writing on your phone because one of my goals, you know, with this podcast and in general is to make writing our stories as accessible as possible. So even just you sharing that little thing gives someone else permission that that's that is still writing it still counts it's still coming out you know I mean and I think even writing in sand on a beach or writing in steam in a shower like it's still all writing and it's still doing work on you to heal you and heal your story so one thing that just came to me as you were talking is how powerful it might be now that everyone has heard the backstory of your poem would be to hear your poem again so can I ask you to reread the poem you just shared for us? Sure. All right. Lost. They ask if I want to see my scar. They need to check it, but they ask if I want to see. They don't force it. I know I'll have to confront it. At some point, I'll pass a mirror. So I take a deep breath and say yes. The padding under the binder makes it feel like I haven't lost a thing. I close my eyes and wait. Here we go. And when I open them, I think unexpectedly. The scar is beautiful. The scar means hope. Because two years, three months, and 14 days ago, but who's counting? I lost my future in an instant. And this scar gives me a glimmer of hope that I'll get to have back some of what I thought was lost. Mm. Yes. Yes to all of that. Okay, Amy, let's take a quick break here for a testimonial. And when we come back, we will hear your second poem. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. 
Hi everyone, my name is Karen and I'm from Colorado. I was diagnosed with stage 3A triple negative breast cancer at the age of 41. Hearing stories from other young women diagnosed with breast cancer is helping me process what I have gone through the past year and wildfire has been instrumental in my healing process. I was really struggling to put pen to paper to capture my experience and share my story. April's writing workshops and the Burn podcast have given me the tools via these prompt writing exercises to capture my story and to help me process triggering events. Thank you, Wildfire, for helping me find my voice, introducing me to a community of women who are experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing and the courage to share my story with the world. Thank you so much for the love, Karen. All right, back to you, Amy, and your poetry. Thank you again for sharing Lost with us. And now we will turn to Lines, which is your most recent wildfire published poem. This one just came out in October in our Legacy Stories issue. All right, Amy, let's have you take it away. All right, this is a line. The lines that are starting to appear on my sea don't bother me as much as I thought they would. I guess lines could indicate that I'm tired. I am. Or that I've weathered impossible things. I have. But lines also indicate aging. And every year I get is more than I thought I would. More than I thought I could. So I celebrate laugh lines and crow's feet. I welcome these lines and the years that put them there. And I celebrate the wrinkles and gray hair peeking through. Because these things that no one wants, these things let me believe that I get to grow old too. Mm. Yes. Uh, Again, full body goosebumps. You're just really getting me today. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, all right, let's get into this one. So again, was this um, something that came out of you in poetry form or did you set out to write a poem? Tell us a little bit about the formation of this. No, this one also came out of me in poetry form. I was working on a different story and it wasn't coming together. And I decided I just needed to set it down and walk away from it. But I still was like, in a writing mode, I needed to get something out on paper. And this one, you know, I sort of, I stewed about it and I came back to it and I went away from it again on my phone. I don't know why the poetry comes on my phone, but that's what happens with me. And I was at work and on my lunch break. And so I'm sitting there eating a sandwich and, you know, scrolling through on my phone as, as you do on your lunch break. And it, popped into my head like lines just just I guess I caught a glimmer of a picture like on a friend's profile and I saw crow's feet and I have a little like mirror in my desk um mostly like to make sure that I don't have lunch stuck in my teeth after my break and um I I look to see if I had crow's feet and I can see like just a little bit of wrinkle coming through and I've had gray hair for a long time and it's getting more and more gray. Not that, I mean, I color it bright blue and purple so nobody can see it, <laughs> but, but it still peeks through out of that. And so I just sort of, those things just sort of started popping into my head of like, you know, this isn't all bad. Like, it's kind of nice that I'm, 
that I'm getting older and, and having, you know, I mean, I feel like every MBC patient has heard the statistics and my oncologist, again, you know, thank goodness for him. He gave me statistics, but he was like, I don't want you to listen to them. You know, you're, you have so many factors in your life that are going to affect your outcomes. And, um, you know, so there are these numbers and it's hard to not listen to statistics, Mm. particularly if you work in a very like data-driven environment. Um, so, you know, I, I think hearing the numbers from him and he's never given me a prognosis for my life. He's just told me the averages for the medications that I'm on, but hearing those numbers and going beyond them and going past them is something to celebrate, you know? And, and if that means that I get laugh lines and crow's feet and gray hair, so be it. I welcome it. I'm happy to have them. So, so I, I it can, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just thinking of the, you know, we say in the community that growing older is a privilege. And I'm thinking about these representations of what growing older actually looks like on a body. You know, we talked about the scar in your first poem. And now this is a different representation of different types of lines, you know, gray lines in hair is one thing, but these crow's feet or laugh lines, they're the, the physical writing of life on a body and what a privilege it is to live even one more day to have one more line or one more, you know, effect come and your poem slows everything way down for us so we can appreciate that in the moment in this moment so thank you for that thanks yeah it's uh I mean it I didn't come to it instantly but as I started to check years off you know it was like this is something I should I should appreciate and and it came easily I didn't have to like force myself to think about it. Yeah, I'm happy to get older. Yeah, I celebrate each birthday that I have and I celebrate each cancerversary that I have because I'm still here Mm -hmm. and I'm still doing the thing. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Before we go, I want to just ask you if you have any advice for how to write poetry. You know, I am more accustomed to helping people write essays and, you know, getting into the scene building and um, the transformation. And I love the brevity that a poem helps to bring to a personal narrative. And I just wonder, you might not be able to speak to this because it might just be happening kind of naturally for you. But do you have any advice for someone who might like to try writing poetry? So I think these two poems are a little bit odd, like in my writing experience, because they did just sort of happen. They sort of started forming in my head and I started typing and I just they just flowed. But I like your suggestion of making lists. I feel like a lot of the other poetry that I have written has started in list form. And I think that it's a really, um, the word, not so scary way to get into poetry because you're not sitting there going, I'm going to write a poem because there's no pressure. Like, I'm going to write a poem to make you not write a poem, right? 
but um but starting exactly. to make, starting to make lists of you know just observations i feel like my my poetry is you know a, a reflection and an observation of me so i kind of turned my lens inward not that that is you know something that will work for everyone but to to take some time and observe your surrounding and just sort of see what you can list that's around you, what you can list about yourself or your body. That's where, that's where I start. Mm -hmm. I like that. One thing that I have done too in writing poetry, besides just the list that kind of naturally flows down a page is you can just write a few sentences, you know, the beginning of a story and see what it would feel like to chop it, put breaks in it, you know, line breaks, move things down because it's the the visual appearance of a poem that kind of helps to give the cadence of how it is read and where the breath comes, you know, on a on a comma or an actual break and that can also influence how how you write a poem is like, where, where do I physically feel this story in my body? And, you know, is this a part to read quickly or put emphasis here? Or is this a softer part? So yeah, I think poetry gives us the most, maybe not the most, but it gives us a lot of creative license to influence how a reader experiences that story. Yeah. And I think there's also something to be said for like, Spacing. And, you know, there's so much you can do yeah. with formatting to like indicate a pause or a fr- reflection. I write, I use parentheses a lot when I write poetry as mm. kind of an aside to, you know, change perspective a little bit. Yeah, exactly. There's all these little ways that we're trying to, um, trying to communicate our stories and communicate how how they fall. Uh, I love that you just mentioned parentheses. It's a great way to almost kind of like whisper a little bit or something, mm-hmm. you know, to that reader and how they they take it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for this, Amy. And I just want to remind everyone where your poetry is because I think it is important to see it on the page as well. So Amy's first poem that she read was called Lost and that was in our June-July Uh, body issue from 2022. And then lines just came out in the October, November legacy stories issue. So I hope you guys will all check that out. Amy, where can people find you or learn more about you online or maybe read more of your work? I don't know if you're publishing elsewhere. I I have not published elsewhere. (laughs) I've only published in Wildfire. I am on Instagram at Amy R. Austin and there's an underscore on either side of the R. Perfect. We will link to you in the show notes. Thank you again for being here and reading your poetry to us. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a delight. Well, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 39 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. 
discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget that there is a downloadable companion to this podcast full of prompts to get you going. If you like The Burn, please leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing their stories. Finally, here is your writing prompt. Inspired by Amy's poetry, I want you to write about a line on your body. Maybe it's a scar, maybe it is a line on your face, maybe it's something that you've had inked onto your body. The prompt itself is, this line means, and let's do it like a poetry prompt. So I want you to write, this line means, fill in the blank, and then come back. This line means, come back, fill it in, and just proceed down your page with this repeating line of this line means. Set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.